Here we are at Car 3 Athletics and the, the 2020 WPIAL football preview show. As on today's podcast, we're going to break it down and we're going to strictly just talk about the playoffs. As this is how it goes. As classes 5A, 4A, 3A, 2A, and 1A are all 18 brackets, the higher seed hosts all the quarterfinals this Friday. The teams that win advance to the semifinals next Friday, and the higher seed hosts those as well. And then the championships are spread out. As off the top of my head, the, the 3A title game is Friday, November 13th. And then you have the other, and then the other four classes, their games are all Saturday, November 14th, starting at 11 a.m. Last kickoff being 7 p.m. And then class 6A is to 14 field. The top two seeds host those semifinal games this Friday night. And the 6A championships next Friday, November 6th, at North Hills. As North Hills, North Allegheny split the games to host them this year. No Heinz Field is what it is. But that's what's on tap. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to run through class by class. I'm going to talk what the bracket is, give my quick thoughts on, you know, what how the bracket turned out, and then we're going to talk about the games. As real quick, as for everything from this 2020 season, including our season guide, Check out our website, cover3athletics.wixsite.com slash westpa, and it's cover the number three in athletics in our address bar. Our Twitter handle is at cover3 underscore ETH. It's capital C and cover, the number three, and then the underscore in all caps, ATH. Follow Cover3Athletics on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. So let's get into it. Shout out to our guys at Whippy Old Blitz, a.k.a. Steel City Blitz. They did a phenomenal preview that gave that gave a nice little rundown of each team, as well as some interesting history, which is always cool to look at, in my opinion. So check them out. We retweeted the link last night, so give them the credit they deserve. They did a great job. So let's get into it. So now it's time for us to give our thoughts. So Class 6A, semifinals, top seed North Allegheny hosts the four-seed Seneca Valley. will be two-seed Malibu versus the three-seed Central Catholic. And, of course, this one's pretty cookie-cutter. Top four teams got in. Malibu had the dramatic overtime victory at Seneca Valley last week. Such Catholic did its business against Baldwin. NA was undefeated. So really nothing to argue about there with how the bracket turned out. Like I said, it was cookie cutter. Look at these matchups. North Allegheny, Seneca Valley. And where did we see the story before? How about two years ago? NA came in undefeated. They were the top seed. Had all the momentum. Was clicking. Had the defense. Had the power run game. Had it all down. They even had a bye because at that time it was a 16 playoff. Seneca Valley had to go on the road, beat a Central Catholic team to get to that game. The Tigers even took care of the regular season meeting without trouble, but it came out that semifinal that night. Seneca Valley went to North Allegheny, shocked everyone, pulled off a huge win to deny the Tigers. So, so and in this matchup, it's actually the Raiders who are behind for their third title game appearance in the last five years, trying to break through, finally win one, but they're the ones who have been to the championship recently. N.A., has not been to the final since 2012, and they won the third of a three-peat in quad A. They've also tried to snap a streak of four straight semifinal losses. So trends, all that stuff on the Raiders' side of this game. Of course, these two did not play this year. The regular season match got canceled due to COVID, so here it is now. And look at this one, NA, they're clicking. I mean, the defense is there. We knew that coming into the season. It's been great. They got a little healthier. The offense, the run game would go, and J.R. Burden really emerged, you know, as, as a star candidate. As obviously Cleo Dickens, we knew about it coming in, one of the 
top players in the Whippy over recently committed to Penn State. He's been all over the place, but he's been a big factor on offense recently as well. The quarterback, Greg Phillips, in their last game out, showed off what he could do through the air. I think it's the key in this game. If Phillips and a passing attack can throw, can go for over 200, get a couple touchdowns, move the ball, stretch the field, and then give Burden and the run game more room, I don't think there's going to be much of a question about any winning this game. But if they're unable to pass and it trolls up, then it's, we could be a repeat of what happened two years ago. Of course, Seneca Valley coming in, heartbreak loss. They could, they were so close to being the two seed, now they're the four. But the rivalry gets renewed. History, recent history is on their side. Brian Olance has taken over midseason. He's been a solid quarterback. The question is, will their star Ethan Malachi West be able to suit up and play? He's missed the last couple weeks. Will he be able to be out there? If he is, obviously it's a huge boost both sides of the ball. If not, the defense has still been solid. Nolan Dorwick, the junior, has done a great job as the lead back. But here's my question for the Raiders. What's the passing game going to look like? Because that Tiger defense is never going to pin the Raiders back, go after Olan, prepare for the run, stuff the box. So Olan's going to be able to get some, get the ball out quick, make some throws. But also the wrinkle of Connor Lysick taking the Wildcat snaps they showed off last week. I think it's going to have to be utilized a little bit more this week to get diversity to the offense, spread them out. But I like the Tigers in this game. I just think it's too much, clicking at the right cylinder. I just don't think Seneca Valley's offense is up to the challenge to be able to match them for four quarters. Matt Lemon and Central Catholic, these two met a couple weeks ago, and it was the Blue Devils coming back to win 37-30 in a thriller. They Here we are. This time, Matt Lemon's the home team, and they're riding high because since that win, I mean, they've played good football, and, and this team has grown up the past eight weeks, and it's been fun to watch. Maybe a team of destiny. Maybe some Palco magic, whatever you want to call it. Can they beat the Vikings for the second time in about a month? That's, that's the story. And of course, Matt Lemon, they last won a Whitfield title in 2000. It's been a while. They're trying to get, I mean, they haven't been to the semifinals, I think, in, in over a decade. Trying to go to those humps. Because Central Catholic, they're the defending champs. They also won in 2017. You know, 6A, they're trying out another one. They also made a quarterback change midseason. Adam Ogren took over, and he's and at times he's looked really capable, and he's looked good for being as young as he is. But other times that youth has shown in the passing game has struggled. He's got home run hitters and Anderson Sinkar, Eric Benson. They also, if you get the ball to him in, in space, they can take it to the house. They showed it off last week. You have you have Crazy Legs Tillman you carry on as a solid senior season in the running game. And then you got, the, again, the chain gang, the the, the stout Viking defense. Matt Levin and Joey Daniels, second year starting. Canning direct his team over the hump. As he didn't have his best game a week ago, but he has shown the ability to put up big numbers this year time after time, but also the ability to fight through adversity and still make winning plays. As he got picked off twice against the Raiders, but he threw the winning touchdown pass and didn't make a mistake in crunch time. I could have flipped the result of that game. Alex Texka, he's really emerged as a, as a breakout player this year, two-way star. And then Eli Heiderich, the hero from last week, he's the number one guy. They also have other players around him that have been able to make catches make plays happen. So. If you're looking at name recognition and the stars, Central Catholic, you're thinking they're not going to lose two times through. No way. And you're circling them, so they're going to even the score, take the target on the back, and win this one. But I'm going to go Matt Lemon. I think the Blue Devils at home. There's just something special about this team. You just get the feeling of it. They bought in together. I just think, again, Central Catholic's a phenomenal team, great program, a lot of, a lot of great individual players. But I just think the veteran quarterback at home, with a team that seems to kind of be playing that special type of wave of momentum right now, it's going to find a way to win this game and eke out a crazy one.
and and go on. As of course, and just real quick, if anyone wants to see our, our bracket picks, I tweeted those out. Me and BY, I tweeted them out yesterday as well. So just follow our Twitter page to see who our predictions are for the championship games and who we are picking to win these brackets. Just to save some time. Class 5A, the bracket looks like this. Pyrichland got the one seed. They're hosting eight-seeded South Fayette. On that side of the bracket, the four-seed Penn Trapper takes on five-seed Upper St. Clair. The opposite end, Gateway got the two-seed. They're taking on seven-seed Penn Hills. And then the three-six matchup, Peters Township versus Woody High. So a lot of fun. And again, PR in Class 5A now, as is South Fayette. So we got some newness to it. Which is kind of cool. As my opinion on the bracket, I mean, Pirates said it was predictable they were going to be the one seed just because the namesake and how good they've been this year. I mean, they've been, a fen- I mean, they've been phenomenal all year. They've dominated every week. But me personally, I think the, the committee could have Peter Stein to be number one based on their body of work as well. And they are in the tougher conference and they won every game against some really good teams. And I think, honestly, you, you know, you could have had somebody, you could have had Peters be the one, PR be the two, and then follow suit. You could have potentially had a PR gateway semifinal, you know, as well as you could have kind of sh- shifted the bottom seeds as well a little bit. So, I mean, I, and I think, in my opinion, you could have had a little more interesting matchups, maybe a little more crazier, you know, a crazier bracket if they did it that way. But we got we got. It's still going to be a phenomenal three weeks in Class 5 because you look at this field, any one of these eight teams has an opportunity to run the table. And hear me out, because here we go. So left side of the bracket, top seeds Pyrichland for South Fayette. The Rams, they have rolled through they've really rolled through six weeks. They really haven't been challenged or tested. You, and you got a veteran team now. These guys a lot of these kids have started for three years for them. Cole Spencer directing the high octane offense. Eli Yockham's top receiver. But but of course he's one of many. Luke Miller, the two way standard also another target. They've had guys jump in and out to make plays throughout the year, like Alex uh, Adam Gokies is another one. In the run game, for the first time in a while, you haven't had, like, one main guy power the Rams rushing attack and kind of star. But they've done it by committee, and that committee's been very solid. Tristan Taylor's led it. You know, Caden Schweiger's jumped in. I mean, so they, I mean, so they've had their share of guys get turns and perform. The defense is just on another level. And, again, because of how good the Rams' offense and the quarterback success that Casper, Coach Casper's had with them, you, you always overlook the defense. But really, the Rams defense has been really good for the last handful of years, and this year's no exception. They're just as good. Miguel Jackson leading them, as well as two big guys like Miller, like Schweiger in the back seven. Of course, South Fayette, I mean, quarterback U, to where it started, the high octane offense, really kind of where it t- took the scene over a decade ago. Naaman Alamona and that senior class, you know, Joey Audia, Charlie Rossi, Shea Aiken, et cetera, leading, leading the offense. At times, though, the Lions offense has struggled against capable defenses. And you kind of felt like the second half last week in the lost USC, the line offense, it was like a turning point. They kind of broke out. They made some plays. They made things happen. They came up short. But maybe, you know, finally this team against a top, you know, top-notch opponent, you know, finally had a feel-good performance. And we'll see if they carry over into this week. Because, of course, the Lions defense also highly overlooked. But So I look at this, I look at this matchup. I think everything's going to be a shootout. I just think both offenses, the way they play, are going to take over. Both quarterbacks, veteran guys, are going to make throws downfield, going to spread the ball around. They have veteran playmakers who have a lot of talent just spread over the field. They end of the day, PR is at home. 
They've had a really good playoff track record in these situations. They're the one seed for a reason. They've not been challenged really throughout throughout their six games. As they, and again, I think this one's going to be back and forth contest. The one that matters, it's going to be Spencer and the Rams who are going to make the plays. They're going to continue their momentum. It'll be the Ram defense, whether it's Miguel Jackson with a sack or something, or something in the back, that's going to make a play, force a turnover, to kind of create the distance. I think PR takes this one. Penn Trafford, USC out in Harrison City is going to be lit. This one's a toss-up. Absolute toss. Because the way USC's playing ball, Ethan Dahlum, he, I mean, the way he's played, he's, I mean, he might be the top quarterback in the Whippy Ole just with how he's performed and the plays he's come up with. Now, granted, some guys haven't really been tested because of how good their teams are. So I understand that, the, you know, the hole in that statement. But the way Dahlum's playing and his dual threat ability gives you a C, has the USC offense go. You have guys like Jaden Keating and Ethan Heister who are game breakers and just can, can carry the load and are two-way standouts. Jamal Brown's another young guy who's been good running the ball at times this year. But then the receiving core. Mateo Sapulio has had a solid season week in, week out. David Vitellis got banged up early on. It's been hammered up at times, but he's still one of the best receivers in the Whitby Bowl. And then you have the young kid, Aiden Besselman, who stepped up and made some big plays. Luke Bambury's been nice kind of as the middleman out of the backfield at times. And of course, and he leads that defense. So, so the Panthers are, are – I mean, they have the ability to run the table here. Penn Trafford. You know, you don't hear as much hype about them, but they're just – they're a really sound good football program. You get the Fry Brothers leading the secondary. You got the two-way star, Ethan Carr, dual-threat quarterback, just, you know, having a solid senior season. It's kind of gone overlooked just because, you know, they had to miss a game because of COVID and, and just everything else with PR and Peters and all the hype. He's had a really good senior season. You have guys like Brad Ford, Cade Yacomelli who can carry the ball, and he's had a breakout junior year, I think. And, of course, Pentraver always has a stout defense, has a solid line. And also, in my opinion, these two teams are evenly matched. It's just that USC's got that high-powered, the flashiness. Pentraver just blue-collar, go-to-work, ground and pound. And I think at the end of the day, home field advantage will help the Warriors just, just enough. I think Pentraver will be a, will have more consistent, I think, at times. Because USC, a lot of the time, has shown lapses. I mean, think about the Pierce Township game. They seized momentum for a little bit, but then it just it flew away from them. And in the second half, they just couldn't catch back up. Safayat, they jumped up 16-0, up 23-7. They needed last-second heroics from Dallum and Sapulio and company to pull out a 36-32 win. Even the Latrobe game that they won, that game was a shoot, became as much of a shootout as it was because the Panthers let up late. Latrobe got back into it and made it interesting in the stretch. So USC at times has, has let up. And, and, and it really has been too costly, but you cannot do this as a I just think Penn Trafford, who just is that model from start to finish of what you want in a consistent football team, I think they're going to hold on and find a way to win this game at home. But this might be the best game of the entire Friday night slate. Other end, Gade Waivers, Penn Hills. Penn Hills, John Ladon's done a phenomenal job making them get kind of getting back to that consistent standard that Penn Hills is used to. But I look at their team. They got some ballers. They got they got Noel Roach, Dante Pollard, leading the way. They have, excuse me. They I mean they have Derek Topic, Cam Hawkins. They got they got their slew of talented good players who, you know, as sophomores experienced that state title and then saw more time last year. Here they are, seniors. 
But outside of that, you have a couple of junior, I mean, a couple of freshmen, excuse me, who have taken on huge roles. Julian Duggar's been starting quarterback since week one. So now you kind of say he's more like a sophomore with the veteran and the experience. Then you have Amir Keys, Keys who've stepped in the last couple of weeks. They kind of see, I don't want to say as a starting running back, but he's got a more body of work in the backfield. So two, three years from now, yes, Duggar and Keys will be a force, and this Penn Hills team will be something to reckon with. I mean, I mean, the record in terms of a consistent title pretender that's going to be on top with authority. But right now, they're learning. This is invaluable experience. You go against Gateway, the Gators. Yeah, they won two of the last three 5A titles. And they made the semis of each of the last three years. You have arguably the top player in the state, Derek Davis, leading you on both sides of the ball. You have Shamar Price, who is getting a lot of traction as a talented recruit and one of the better ones in this year's class. You have Patrick Body, who's a rising star junior who broke out last year, and he's had a very good junior despite only four games that they've got to play. Chris Anglica, he's performed very well in, in a limited sample size, directing the high-powered offense. And this Gateway team, they got the line. They got Nelson. They got Taylor. At the end of that, in Gateway, too much experience, too much top-level talent, especially at home. I think the Gators, they got the rust off a little bit. It's Woody High. They locked down when it got tough, and they've held on to win a tough game on the road. They had absolutely no chink last week, and they took care of business when they needed to. I think Gary, just, again, too much experience, too much veteranship. I think they'll find a way just to outscore Penn Hills, and they'll win this game. But Penn Hills, don't, I mean, don't count them out. They got their own talent. They have their own experience. Bison Gateway, just more tools in the toolbox with a little bit more juice at home. And then Pierce Township versus Woody High. This one, talk about upset alert here. Because Woody High, they, they lost to Penn Trafford and Gateway. The Gators game, they, they went toe-to-toe, and they had a chance late. You have maybe the best offensive player, listen to that word, offensive player on the field in junior quarterback, Deontay Williams. He's got big play guys like T-Rex Scipio, who shuts a field, Eshawn Carter, who is more in the secondary, but he also can get the ball and make things happen. Armani Bailey, Ta- Talon Brooks may be able to go again, but also uh, Ezra Sales, I apologize pronounced that. He's done a nice job taking over a running back at times too. And they got their big play guys. The Pierce Township this year, all throughout the season, it's been defense, it's been special teams, and the offense, for the most part, has done just enough to win these games or, or not lose them. But Logan Pepper and the crew the last couple weeks has gone, I mean, it's kind of got back to that flu- fluidity. They've shown the ability to air it out. Vince Rowling's been solid all year carrying the rock. It was Nico Pate last week that broke loose for over 200 yards and touchdown. One of the linebackers who stepped in and had a big game around the ball. So I think, Peters, if they get this offense rolling and humming, watch out. 5A might be put on notice with an already undefeated conference champion. But if the offense is still struggling to get into past the low 20s in points, that's where it gets interesting. Then at the end of the day, I think the Indians, all year long it's been defense special teams. Defense wins championships despite how the game's evolved. It's still about defense. Yeah, I just think that would be the difference here. I just think when it matters, Corbin Hundred, Dominic McMillan, who have been in the big games as the senior class has been, making the title game a year ago, being semifinalists and having, you know, that Penn Hills team on the ropes for three quarters. Having that experience is going to be the difference here. 
I like the Indians to take care of business against a good Woody High team. And that's going to be a force next year as well. But I just think it's the Indians' time right now with the senior class to make a run. Another run. Class 4A or Friday night quarterfinals. And the bracket looks like this. Top seeds, Aliquippa, they host the 8 seed Hampton. The fourth time matchup is Bell Burnham versus Chartier's Valley. You flip the other side of the bracket. Two seeds, Tom Jefferson, they take on 7 seed Mars. Then you have three seed Plum versus six seed McKeesport. And and some say, oh, go figure. You know, TJ gets upset and loses, and they don't even they don't even get cost. They still in the conference and, and everything. But it did cost them because TJ was gonna be the one seed. They lose the finale. They're now the two seed, McKeesport. Who knows where they where they could have ended up if they didn't win that game. They would have been a playoff team, and who knows? But the win secure, definitely helped them get the six seed and secured it. So and also this bracket. Hampton played their way in. Montour played their way out. Fair and square to put Hampton in. I think the committee did a perfect job setting this one up. You look at these quarterfinals. Alcopa Hampton, you feel good for the Talbots. They've played good football. It's gone, it's gone unnoticed, unfortunately, just because, you know, the high profile, you know, TJ, Belvern, and McKee Sports, you know, the high-flying games that Trinity of Lower Highlands have flashed at times this year, as well as Plum and Mars being on top of the greater Allegheny and then Alcopa in the crazy parkway. But Hampton, 5-2, they've had a really good season. They pound the ball. They rely on their defense. And normally those are two good formulas to win football, a lot of football games. But this case, not so much, because Alcoba's defense is phenomenal. They're trying to, I mean, their line's loaded with talent, and it's not and it's not all veteran talent. So, again, Alcoba doing it again, just rebuilding, rebuilding, rebuilding without missing a beat. Of course, with the, the with Quip's offense, Vaughn Morris has had a really good senior season. And, and again, it's been under the radar. Tajer Thornton has broken out the last couple of weeks to be a big play hitter. So and I expect him to continue to do that, especially this week. You got Sire Clark, who's, who's kind of been the top one all year in the passing game. And their own game. Vernon Rudd, one of the more underrated two-way stars in the Whippeal, has had another good season. Um... You got Carl McBride, who's, who starts in linebacker. He's done a nice job carrying the rock, too. And this Quips team just loaded with talent. And I think, you know, it's in the pit. As is the case of Aliquippa, just too good, too much at home. They're, they're undefeated, Colin Champs. They're not going to let it slip away. And, of course, the Quips, what do they have to prove? They, got, they were forced to move up a class despite being one of the small schools in the whole Whitfield. And then they were moved up. Everyone wrote them off. Everyone counted them out. So that chip... Still very much so there. You just have to love it. I like the quips. No issue there. Belver and Shore Valley. You feel good for the Colts. Six and one this year. Making the playoffs for the first time in a while. The best team they've had in a long while. And it's a senior class. And Dan Houston did a great job, you know, turning this program in the right direction. Anthony Mackey's had a nice season as a dual threat quarterback. Jordan Demas starts as a defensive back. And he had a big game running the ball last week. Anthony Clark has been the top receiver. And this Colts team, they're a unified squad. They're, and, and you know they would love nothing more than to have a second chance at the Quips with a chance at the championship at stake. And what a storyline that could be. But Bell Vernon, Devin Woodlock, best player in this matchup on the field. He is a bad boy. And he's only a junior. And he's also a star on the basketball court. He's a bad boy. Give the guy some credit. The Duke could single-handedly win the game as he's shown this year. The, the Leopards defense, again, a phenomenal group led by the junior, Cole Wakeman. And this dude just nuts. 107 tackles in six games. Yes, you heard that right. Check out his highlight. The dude is absolutely insane. His work ethic is even more insane. 
but you have these two spearheading this Leopards team, and you know what they do. They like to pound the rock, run heavy. Dan Andy got nicked up two weeks ago. They didn't play last week, so I'm assuming it'll be good to play in this one. And of course, they'll have to, they may have to have other guys step in, but they've shown the ability to do that the last couple of years with that power run game. The only thing you question about Bill Vernon, their ability to air it out and spread the ball, that's kind of held them back at times. I don't think it'll be an issue this match, but at the end of the day, this game, it's a shame someone has to get home this early, but it is a quarterfinal still. You're this close to the championship. And you look at it, Bill Vernon, they got the better defense. The power run game is there. And I just think the experience the program's had, you know, two years removed from being in a Whitfield title game, and be actually, you know, just being on the run, they actually they were there last year. My apologies, and uh, you know, just the run they've been on as a program under Matt Humbert, it's been consistent year in year out. Shore Valley, it's a new ground. These seniors, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz. But I just think, I just think that playoff experience will show itself in the first half of this game. Allow the Leopards to kind of get out in front, build a little bit of a lead, and then with the power run game. And just ground it down the second half. I think they're going to win. But Shore Valley will be in this game. Don't count them out. And don't be surprised if Shore Valley maybe starts slow, but comes back in and digs their feet in and makes this one a close contest in the fourth quarter. But I like Bell Vernon there. Other side of the back of TJ and Mars. Mars, it's pretty simple. Pound the rock and defend. Teddy Ruffner's had a heck of a senior season. Heck of a four-year career for him. Ben Chismore stepped up as he leads the team. He stepped up to kind of be that second key, second piece in the second piece in the backfield. The only problem, though, for Mars, they can't pass the ball, and it's just something they just haven't been able to figure out and do it. TJ, it's the formula that yeah, I just said power run and defend. The only difference, though, Jake Pugh, that company can air the ball out. Preston Zanzier and Ian Hansen, two two-way stars, both are more than capable receivers. That'll be the difference. And plus, you know, TJ, they're more than hungry and PO'd after that loss last week. So, Mars, solid team, very good program. But TJ just does what they do a lot better and also can air it out. Jaguars at home. Plum versus McKeesport. And this one, this might be the most interesting matchup on Friday night. Plum's undefeated, Greater Allegheny champs, the senior class, something special. We called it back in July. Here they are now with a huge opportunity. McKeesport, though, I, I, you know, a newer team has grown up through the last eight weeks, coming off a huge win, and that was gritty and tough on the road against TJ. And, and sometimes you look at it, sometimes it's an emotional letdown that you have to try to get up for. Other times, you know, you just could ride something that and just ride it and just go to a higher level because of it. And you look at this now, of course, assuming TJ holds serve at home, the semifinal, that's going to be an interesting story, regardless who wins this Plum McKeesport game. But it's going to have to wait to see who wins it. And I look at the Tigers, the, the triple options, what they do. Terrence Glenn's had a heck of a, has had a heck of a season directing the show. Caleb Rice has, has been the lead guy. But they have, they've had other guys step up and be big, big play busters. And that Tiger defense hasn't gotten enough credit. You look at the Mustangs. Their defense has been overlooked because the offense has been so electrifying. Ryan Hummer has shown his ability to run the ball and move it around through the air. Reed Morton is, your, is the Whippy old Swiss Army knife in 2020. The guy, the guy's the top receiver for Plum. He's a key player in the back seven on defense. He kicks for them. He also can throw the ball, take snaps a little bit, and he's also a dynamic return man. What can't the guy do? 
Of course, Max Matulsi, Starhead to Penn. He's been a heck of a linebacker for three years now. He's also been an invaluable part of the passing game. Eric Moore steps up to be the lead bleed back. Billy Guzzi's a veteran behind him that's seen a little bit of carries, also contributes elsewhere at times. And then uh, Logan Brooks, a big play guy in the passing game, too, also a dynamic defensive back. So I play, and also plans a couple of, you know, highly rated linemen led by Evan Areza. So this Mustangs team, again, McKee Sports, the veteran team with this playoff experience, especially under Matt Miller, they've been really good at getting here. They've had a lot of big games over the last couple of years. Plum, this is the biggest game they're gonna they, they would have had easily in the last five, six, seven years. But they're at home. And this one's honestly a coin flip. But I'm gonna go Plum because I think cause I've been strong in this Plum team since July. They're undefeated. And the way and this the way they beat Armstrong, they made a set. I feel like that was a statement to everybody saying, You guys need to take us serious. McKee Sports coming off a huge win, and this team's a dangerous football team. This matchup, literally a toss-up. Like, Pentraft and USC, it's like 52% vote for the Warriors. This one is literally a 50-50 split for Plum and McKeesport, in my opinion. But I just think Plum will find a way. Just, I think they're just going to find a way. I just think that McKeesport, the only thing that's hurt them, though, is the triple option, the lack of a passing game. It's one thing that's hurt them in the years. I just think this time Plum is ready for the challenge. They're motivated. They feel like they're the home underdogs, and for a fair reason. McKeesport is a great team, and they've had a lot. Of, they have a lot of hype that they deserve. But I think just all that will find a way. Plum will be them to pull it out. So we will take a short break and come back to talk about classes 3A, 2A, and 1A. Okay, so we're back at. So here we go. So class 3A, the bracket looks like this. Top seed Central Valley, they're taking on the 8 seed East Allegheny. On that side, the 4-5 matchups, Keystone Oaks versus South Park. Other end of the bracket, the 2 seeds North Catholic, and they're taking on 17 Mount Pleasant. The 3-6 matchup is Elizabeth Ford hosting Freeport. So, now I'm going to say this real quickly. There is absolutely zero disrespect or negativity intended. There is no negative vibe toward any program or any team. Nothing personal at all. Just simply X's and O's on the field here when we when we talk or write or whatnot. And I say that because this 3A bracket, yeah, I'm I'm a little I'm a little confused. I'm, I'm just I don't know I'm a little confused with how the Whitfield decided to set this one up. Obviously, Central Valley you're clearly number one seed. North Catholic played their way and earned the right to be the number two seed. EF did the same to be the number three seed. Okay, and of course, and the Keystone Oaks they won. They got second place. Fair and square, they're in. South Park did the same thing by being Mount Pleasant in the finale. They're in two. And then Freeport East Day, I mean, both had good seasons. For, unfortunately, COVID kind of wrecked it a little bit. Those two didn't get to play because of it. You know, East Day went 5-1. Freeport, I believe, finished 4-1. Forgive me if I'm getting, if, it's, if it's an extra win there. But, you know, they both finished like that. Freeport had a good showing against the Trojans. East Day, who was decently shorthanded, you know, had a better showing at the score indicator when they play the Trojans. And I say this because I just I, – I look at them a little confused. I, I just feel like East Day got a little bit hosed by, given, by being given the eighth seed. I feel like they deserve to be higher up. I understand you avoid conference rematches in the first round. But in my opinion, I mean, Keystone Oaks, they had a solid season. My thing is, Keystone Oaks, you played Central Valley, and it did not go well at all. 
So I just don't understand why you wanted to maybe done an East A versus Freeport 4-5 matchup because both teams definitely were deserving of being in that seed line based on, you know, their records and their body of work. And you also could have had them play and kind of settle it and avoid North Catholic, their conference champion, you know, to avoid any type of early rematch. And then you could have maneuvered South Park, you know, seeding-wise to avoid EF. And then Mount Pleasant, you know, they've had a great season, you know, and I mean, and they've shown up in big games too. But they, but they had their chance to play in secure two seed. They lose, kind of like such, the similar to the Montour Hampton situation of four A, where for Montour, they, if they just won their finale, they were going to be third place anyways. But kind of like they would have secured getting that wild card. But they lose the game. Hampton took care of its its business, who already had third place locked up with their conference. So Hampton rightfully got rewarded by getting the last wild card spot. And 3A, Avorth, would they beat Central Valley? Most likely not. Like one, like 99% chance they probably won it because who, no one's really even come close this year. But that game got canceled. And Avorth had a solid season. And I don't know. I, I just feel like it was, it was a little bit of a surprise decision to leave Avorth out of the field. And who knows that? Maybe it was because the body of work. I mean, because Mount Pleasant did win five games. And, I mean, fair is fair. You know, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't in the room. I'm not the judge. It's just my opinion. But I just feel like East A and the eight seed kind of is a little bit of a hose job. And I'm not saying Freeport deserved the eight seed. I think, you know, I think they both – I mean, I think Freeport is a six seed's fair. I feel like East A could have been seeded higher. But it is what it is. Let's talk about it. So, Central Valley, East Allegheny, you know, the Warriors who have been the top dogs – and we knew this coming into the season, and rightfully so. This team is absolutely loaded. Amir Dudley, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the Whippeal. Miles Walker, a game-breaker that doesn't get enough credit. And then let's just talk about the rest of the team. Landon Alexander, Marion Sanders, Javen Thompson, you know, Sean Fitzsimmons. Brett Fitzsimmons' his younger brother. You know, I, I mean, Stephen Hall, the pick commit. How could I forget? Excuse me for I mentioned him earlier. I mean, you, you, this team this team is just absolutely loaded. I mean, Bryce Wilson, another one, you know, he's been their best defensive back the last couple of years in terms of the tackler and whatnot. God's got overlooked. I mean, this team is absolutely loaded. Simple as that. And they're at home. But East Allegheny is 5-1. Granted, their playoff history, not on their side, I mean, this team has historically not been good in the playoffs. The program, I should say. The program's historically not been good in the playoffs. But they've done a good job getting there consistently the last handful of years or so. I mean, I'm going to pick Central Valley to win the game. But I'm going to say this because, I mean, it'd be crazy not to. But I'm going to say this. I think East Allegheny is going to give them a solid test. It's going to be a good fight for over a half. And I'm even going to go on a limb and say East Allegheny is going to be in this game going into the fourth quarter. And to define, I'm going to say they're going to be within 14 points where they – you know, all you can do is a touchdown and then have a stop or an onside kick and then try to quickly tie it. That's in this game. So I'm going to go on them. So East State's going to be within 14 points going into the fourth quarter. And as the Warriors win, it's going to be it'll be a good game. Because East State has got a key on delts, Mikey Smith. They have a couple of talented linemen. They got a rising sophomore quarterback, Johnny DiNapoli, who's been in line because of injuries and stuff this year and all that. But this kid's going to be a star the next couple of years. You got Amaria Lucky, Preshawn Grainer. Apologize if I mispronounce any names. And this East Day team, they have their share of talent that just hasn't got the attention that it's deserved. 
So this one's a little bit more interesting than a 1-8 matchup, especially about how dominant Central Valley's been when we may normally look. Keystone Oaks, South Park, the 4-5 game. South Park, they lost their leading rusher and one of their better defenders named May to, to an injury a couple weeks ago. They could have folded it in, been a disaster. They turned it around, and they were even down 13 zip to Mount P last week in a must-win game. They won 30-19. So give all the credit to the South Park team, who just, again, on paper, it doesn't necessarily make sense. It hasn't looked sexy on the film, but they've won football games. That's all that matters. Just winning the game. And now it's playoff time. It's all that matters. Win the game. Keystone Oaks, you got the four-year starter. Logan Shrub, you're happy for him. Finally gets to be in a playoff game. They're at home. You have guys like Mark Hunchin, Tyler Perry, guys who have shown up and have produced this year. And this team's a solid football team. Don't get me wrong. And I think this game is a chance to be one of the more interesting, high-flying, all-over-the-place football games of this weekend. I'm going to pick Keystone Oaks and minus six Shrub, a four-year starter, best player on the field. I think he's going to make the difference, and he's going to have a monster game and win. But South Park contains him and limits him. The Eagles will be in major trouble, and that's how South Park wins. I'm going to go Keogh because of Shrub. North Catholic and Mount Pleasant, the Vikings, disappointing end of the season. And maybe the tough loss against Elizabeth Ford, two weeks ago, carried over against South Park. But again, they jumped up to a 13-0 and lose the way they lost. Frustrating. But they have, but they, again, this team's a veteran team. They got Asher O'Connor to direct the offense, Aaron Alaska to lead the running game, Pete Billy, and other guys who are just two way solid players. The Trojans, on the other hand, yes, 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 yes. We totally misread them. We picked them too low. We totally botched the preseason prediction. Our bad. Okay, we were wrong. Totally wrong. Fair is fair. This team is a really good team. Joey Prentice has been a really good dual threat quarterback this year. You know, Kyle Tepininski has been a solid runner. Isaiah Jackson, Carson Laconi have been going to defense. And this team has a good group of linemen. Yes, this is a really good football team. The only thing, though, is Prentice got knocked up, got nicked up last week. Laconi has a solid job filling in a quarterback. You just wonder what's Prentice's status coming into this week. He's all, I mean, I'm expecting him to start and play, but you just don't know how giving that ankle may be. And Mount Pleasant's a solid team. I'm going to say this, though. The Vikings' best bet, try to control the clock, ground it out, slow the pace down, and play keep away. For North Catholic, they've shown the ability to be high-flying. The defense has been really good. I think it's at the end of the day, just too much at home. They're going to win the game. But, again, I think it's going to be better than maybe the paper would suggest. Elizabeth Ford versus Freeport. This Freeport team is a pesky, pesky, pesky football team. Ben Lane. I mean, he is a potential to be one of the top sophomores in two years when they're seniors. This kid's a special player. Freeport's been good. They've been sound, and they were really impressive against Freeport. But the one thing about this, I mean, against North Catholic last week, but the one thing about this Freeport team that's really kind of stuck out to me, resiliency. This team, you know, they've had a lot of adversity this season on and off the field. They, and they, and like I said, they've only lost one game to, to North Catholic, and they played them tough all the way through. And I think if any team could be – I mean, I think out of any one of these teams, Freeport is the most suited to pull a road upset just because of that factor. But EF, undefeated. Losing Evan Lewis was just a crappy blow, but they've done a heck of a job plugging that hole. Whether it had been freshman Vernon Settles, who was already seeing time in receiver and defensive back, whether it be senior Nika Mervers, who was quarterback last year, jumping back into the role and, and single-handedly leading them to beat Mount Pleasant two weeks ago. Or it be sophomore, uh, Zy, uh, I believe it's Zaire White. I apologize if I mispronounced his name, but 
the kid, the sophomore kid who came in last week, and it was kind of a surprise to everybody, but he lit it up and threw it. So even though, yes, Evan Lewis is a great two-way player and losing him for the season is a crappy blow, you have three capable options that could take that are going that are going that are going to take snaps, and that kind of adds you the extra edge because you're prepared for that. You don't know who you're going to get, let alone you don't know what volume. Whether you get the sophomore White, who's, who's they've said is the more is the be, is the best of the three at passing, a talented freshman who just seems to be an all-around good player and settles, or a proven veteran who's who's good in space. As well as a key piece of the defense in Mervo in Mervos, I'm going to say this: I think EF uses all three to take snaps, and it has all three be involved. And I think that's going to be the little. I think the fact that they have such a good defense led by Chase Wan and the star and going to Bowling Green, and just a veteran team that's been in this position the last couple of years. I think at the end of the day, the, the experience, the the new wrinkles are going to have an office with all the different the three different quarterbacks, and, and and the fact this team has been successful is going to be the difference here and win this game. I think it's going to be a close one. It's going to be one of those just funky type scoring games. Like, I'm going to say EF wins like 19 to 15 or something crazy. Class 2A, quarterfinals on Friday. Top seed Beaver Falls hosting 8 seed Western Beaver. The 4 5 matchups of Paul Ridge versus Washington. 2 seed McGuffey gets a 7 seed Sarah Catholic. And 3 seed Starhawks takes on 6 seed Laurel. The bracket, I mean, Beaver Falls, no surprise, 1 seed, common sense. McGuffey. Century champs. They lost the game out of state in West Virginia. No biggie. They proved it each week to be the two seed. Starhawks, again, they had to forfeit for non-COVID reasons in week one. They've, they've not lost outside of that. They deserve the three seed. And unfortunately, COVID just totally wrecked the Allegheny Conference. So many games got canceled because of it. Uh just to avoid that annoying chime in the background. But, um, you know, but like I said, the Allegheny got screwed because, I mean, you know, Paul Ridge, Sarah both went undefeated, but they both lost games because of COVID. They, they lost their head-to-head match because of it. They lost, something kind of canceled at the season as a precaution. So it just kind of like a lot – I mean, it just, it just made things harder. And I feel like in hindsight, if either – I mean, they played each other and they, and they ran the table, one of them probably would have been 7-0 and very well could have been the 2 or 3 seed. You know, but it is what it is. And Paul Ridge definitely deserved to be the four seed without Ducks. They're five and zero. Or Sarcadic only being four and zero. But in my opinion, this was kind of the popular consensus going into the selection show: is that you're going to see Apollo and Sarah play in the four or five game to basically decide the Allegheny right there with the trip of the semifinals on the line. I think that would have been great. You know, and then, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, and then conversely, you just would have, in my opinion, bumped Wash High to the six seed, bumped Laurel to the seven seed. Then let her roll, but you know they did what they did, and we still had a good bracket. So let's talk about it. Beaver Falls and Western Beaver. Western Beaver six and one football team. I mean, don't count them out. Don't count them out. You got the Bradford brothers. You got Xander Lefever. You know who who's second year as a starting quarterback. You got Thad Gray leading the run game, and you said you have a solid defense that's good at taking the ball away and making things happen. Beaver Falls though. Ground and pound. Josh Howe, Shelly Glimmingston, they've done it all year. Jaron Brickner is improving as a quarterback and growing. And you have guys that can just break over, like Trey Singleton had a big 82-yard catch run for a touchdown last week. Um, you know, you have other guys. I mean, you have so many guys in that defense that are good players, too. 
And of course, in the Tiger defense has been overlooked just because of how opponent the offense has been. But that defense is is amazing. And I think at the end of the day, West Virginia went to Star Rocks, and they got and they got whacked. And I think it's a similar case here where Beaver Falls is, is an elite team. They've been number one all throughout the year. And I think at the end of the day, it'll be too much on the road for the Golden Beavers to overcome. Beaver Falls wins this one. Apollo Ridge versus West versus Washington, an intriguing four-five matchup. Wash High. They had they had they lost they lost seven six to McGuffey early on. They lost by a lot against Trinity in a neighborhood rivalry. I thought they looked really good and when a matter of season on the line, they absolutely just dominated Frazier. And you know what Wash High does? Run the ball. This year it's a little more spread out just with the different faces touching it. And Devon Fuses has that ability as the quarterback to take it on the read options. Where Paul Ridge, I mean, this group of seniors has done it for three years. This, I mean, this is arguably the biggest game the program has had in a long time, dare I say, in decades. And for these seniors, it's kind of like a crying. Let's see if they can they get to a semifinal and be this close. Logan Harmon's a really good football player, two ways. He leads the run game. Nyan Reese is a dynamic guy, two ways. Clay Fitzroy's another one. Jake Fellow, three-story quarterback. And again, and Paul Ridge, they get, I mean, they they prefer the run, and they also get aired out a little bit. Both defense is good. I'm going to say this. This is the ultimate we're going to test each other matchup because both these teams are going to be tested in ways that, the, you know, like the kind of maybe haven't been this year at times. But I think the Vikings at home, this group of seniors has just played too much football together, has won, has won a lot, and they've got better each year. I think I'm going to go with a little bit of a sentimental pick. I think this group's going to find a way to win this game. I think it's a perennial contender in Wash High and give themselves at least – give themselves – within a game of the championship. McGuffey and Sarah Catholic, my, oh, my, can this one go either way? Sarah's had a lot of time off because of COVID. They're going to come back, be charged up. And when they play, they're scoring about 53 points a game, high flying over the place. Max Rocco directing the ship. Javon Campbell holds. Malachi Dutrill, uh, Brooks Dutrill. Uh, just to name a few guys. Farrell Fisher, you know, one of the best defensive backs in the Whippeal. And it's definitely maybe the best one, and maybe the best one that not that's not getting talked about. The team is loaded. My ad Paul Pearson powering the pass rush. The Eagles are loaded, but because they haven't played in a while, we've, you've kind of forgotten about them. Or McGuffey's had another phenomenal season this time, getting the first conference house since 1994. You know, you have McKinley Whipkin leading the run game. Kyle Brookman's been big. You know, Rocco Classic's been solid quarterback, and McGuffey likes to pound the rock. They pounded. And you have, you couldn't have more of a contrast to styles here. Sarah Calix high-flying, wants to run it up. McGuffey wants to pound it down and just grind you out. It's a total contrast, contrast to styles. So it's simple as if McGuffey controls the clock, controls possession, wears down Sarah, plays keep away. All it takes is really one one off for them. Sarah possession, they could be out of it. I mean, we're behind the eight ball, and then honestly, that's what I meant, like behind the eight ball. We flip the script and Sarah just might blitz them. Fly all over the place, no pun intended, and light up the scoreboard. McGuffey, could you keep up then? Especially if they're forced to kind of have to pass it a little bit. So, exit it's on the gray turf. McGuffey's had a great season. But I'm going to go Sarah Catholic. I've been hiring them since July. This team has a lot of talent. Don't let the fact that COVID screwed them over. Discredit how good they are. Sarah is the real deal. I think they go on the road and win this game and kind of put people back on notice. Starox versus Laurel. Going at it, 
This one's interesting, and don't and don't overlook this matchup simply because Laurel and Stoics both made the move from 1A to 2A this year. They were in the same conference in 1A. Laurel gave them trouble the last couple of years. Laurel's got the grounded out style. Luke McCoy leads a run game. Mike Pascarello, Kobe DeRosa. They got boys who can play. That defense is very pesky if you're the Spartans. Star Rocks, you know what they bring to the table. High-powered offense. The Roy's did a phenomenal job turning this program back to the standard that it holds. Josh Jenkins has had a really good sophomore year, and he's been a versatile ball player. He's shown that off. Zay Davis, another sophomore who broke out at the end as a freshman last year. Now he's he's like a fully veteran. He's he's really in the run game, and he's also a dynamic pass catcher. But you got young guys, Jamon Green-Miller, uh, Deontay Ross-Miller, Two game breakers in the past game. Diego Ellis has shown his big playability in recent weeks as well. You got talent and Lyman, but then Deontay Givens, the senior, leads the defense, who again takes the ball away, makes big plays. And the Stoics team, Deontay Givens, just one of four seniors. And this team made the, the title game last year and lost to Clareton. They made the move to 2A this year. And like I said, take away that forfeit, they've run the table. And I think this year's team. I think, again, the experiences they've had, they're going to be able to get over Laurel. They're going to be able to find a way to win this game. Again, and it's going to be a close – I think it's going to be a lower-scoring close game. But I think Stoics wins at something like 25-14 to 14 or something. But, again, Laurel is going to push them. But I think Stoics just finds a way to win. And real quick about 2A, and I do like how the Whippeal did say that it was only the four conference champs were guaranteed and it was the four next best teams. So you had some of the third-place finishers with Hope. But again, the fact that Laurel closed it out by taking care of business. Sarah's body work was you couldn't leave them out. It's not their fault. You know, Wash High won a playing game essentially, and then Western Beaver took care of its business again at six and one. There was just no room for a five-win New Bryant team again. Of course, normally this would be a 16-team field, and I think that would have been insane. But at the end of the day, they had to do they had to do eight teams what it was. Laurel wants games to get in and get second place. Sarah had a great body of work, just limited size of it. Like I said, Wash High played its way in. West Virginia took care of its business. The conference champions won their conference titles fair and square. Again, I have no issue with the bracket. Now we go into Class 1A, the bracket, 18 field quarterfinals on Friday. Top seed Clareton hosts 8 seed Arlie the Sacred Heart, a.k.a. Olsh. The 4-5 matchups, California versus Shenango. Other end of the bracket, 2 seed Rochester, they host 7 seed Springdale. And then 3 seed Jeanette. They are taking on six-seeded Avella. And this bracket, I have no issue with it. A little surprised that Olsh was seeded eighth and Avella got the sixth seed. But you know what? No issue with it at all. So, looking at the Bears and Chargers matchup, the Bears, of course, 6-0. Conference champs again. State moving over Springdale to get there. And it's weird that we're saying Clarence won, won the Easter Cards title by being Springdale, not Jeanette. Of course, they played week one. So just a little bit different flavor. Of course, second year row, these two match up in a, in a first round, in a quarterfinal. This Clarence won last year's interact to the Whitfield title. This year, it's, I think it's going to be the same thing. Olsh has had a good season. You know, Azim has had a breakout year quarterback. J- Jamar Pearson, a very good football player. Bobby Brazell, Bobby a solid receiver. And they got some two-way guys that, that have made them as good as they are. 5-1 team, but the Chargers against Rochester just couldn't stop their own game, and they got pounded. Same thing happened with Shenango. And you just look at the matchup and what happened a year ago. I know it's a new year, but you look at Clareton, they're undefeated. They're a top seed. They're at home. Just too much. I think it's just going to be too much for Olsh to keep up with. 
Dante Sanders had a heck of a year, and he's not gotten the credit. He's somebody give this kid an offer or something. He deserves it. Jonte Sanders has been, has been really good at quarterback, and again, knock on the credit he deserves either as a dual-threat guy who's made things happen. Andre Henderson, Brooklyn Cannon, two big play guys in the passing game, and I expect both to go off this week to break it open. And then Isaiah Barry, he's had a solid year running the ball too. He's a solid guy that can tote, tote the rock as well. And, of course, the lineman, Demetrius Weatherspoon, one of the, one of the better lesser-known guys in the whippy hole in the trenches, just too much for the Bears. California versus Shenango. The question this game, the big one, does the Wildcats star Reese Watkins, does he play? And how good's that ankle? I expect him to start and play. But if he doesn't, that definitely is going to turn the tide of this matchup big time. And that was the issue last week against Rochester. But this week, I think Shenango, they're confident. They knew the bigger prize. And this, and either way you look at this class, I mean, it's, I mean, you're going to have to go through some perennial powers if you're going to win this thing regardless where you're seated. So, I, I mean, I'm all, I was all for the decision of playing it safe with the Watkins last week to get him ready for this week. And honestly, and my, and my motto is, if you're truly a championship caliber team, you need to be able to beat anybody on any day and not, ho- and not rely on upsets or positioning to do so. You're certainly not going to reject if you get help with an upset or a favorable seed. That's the point. But you've got to be at you. You can beat anybody if you're going to really win it. So I think if Watkins goes and he's fine, Shenango wins this game just because they got more talent. Tina Capoli, a good quarterback. C.J. Miller's been nice to spread out with. Adam Bryan's been the top receiver, and that defense doesn't get enough credit. California, a really good team, and then they won the TCS fair and square. They ground a pound. That's their motto. Jaden Zuzak, low-key, a star candidate, a player of the year in one end. This dude's been phenomenal, and he's powering them. But it's really Zuzak and quarterback Demoni Stafford. That's what their offense is. I mean, they don't pass the ball. It's really just those two, and that's a concern just for the overhaul. Shenango, I think, just has more tools in the toolbox. If Watkins doesn't go, then it could be stretch, stretchy a little bit. But I, if Watkins is fine and plays, I like the Wildcats. Outside of the bracket, Rochester and Springdale. The Dynamos, don't count them out. They're 5-2. and two. They hung around with Jeanette till the end. Don't, don't stare at the regular season finale and write them off. This team's good. Dimitri French is one of the better athletes in the Whippeal. Logan Dexter, Calvin Kinder have had a great season. Legend Usk is a solid quarterback who has a decent experience as a junior. They got guys in the trenches that can play. Rochester, though, ground and pound. The running Rams. And you got Rashawn Reed, Denny Robinson, Sal Iori, three-headed monster that just bucks the way through. At the end of the day, I think the Rams, they've been impressive. They had the one slip up before Cherry, but they took that piece of humble pie and they've rode it with pride since. And I think Rochester have just too much. That ground game is going to be too much for Springdale to contain. To contain. This is our scene after Dante Sands ran over them last week. I think the end of the day, the Rams just too much. And they got and they got three really good guys who can make something happen. Just too much to handle. And I think they'll find a way to ground down Springdale, eat the clock, build the lead, and take this one. But Springdale, if you're able to spread out and run up the score, that's your best bet. Jeanette versus Avella. Jeanette's heavy favorites. They're probably the biggest favorites on the board this week. And I'm going to also pick them to win. Just leave it at that. But Avella, you feel good for them. They started off 3-0, and a program that hasn't tasted a lot of success. They lost, they lost a couple big games. And they are on the verge of missing the playoffs. But when it mattered, they beat a Carmichael's team to get to 5-2. and two to get second place and earn their way into the postseason. And then they're awarded with a sixth seed. 
So they, Avella is playing with absolute house money. Tanner Terensky, their best receiver and their best defensive back, probably the best overall player. He's a solid ball player. The dude's a big play guy. KJ Rush has been solid at quarterback, but also has issues turning the ball over at times. He's going to have to play. I hate to say he's to play. I hate to say because it it's just such an expectation to throw on anybody. But he's going he's to have to play a perfect game in terms of protecting the ball, hitting his receivers, and just being dynamic back there in the pocket for Avella to have a chance to keep up. Noah, Noah Markle's been solid running the ball. And the Avella defense has, has been good this year. But Jeanette, just so much firepower. I mean, and talk about young standout players. Freshman quarterback Brad Birch has been absolutely phenomenal this year. And he's done a week in, week out. He's gotten better each week. I mean, you have so many guys to throw the ball to. It's ridiculous for Jeanette. Toby Klein, James Sanders, Kalen Piscar. You know, you got Roberto Smith powering the run game. And it's funny how you thought, you know, I don't mean Brett Birch too, his brother, to throw it to. And all these guys are standouts on defense as well. Amelia Huerta, if there's, if there's an official defensive player of the year award, he would definitely be getting it after his performance the last couple of weeks and just how involved he's been in terms of taking it away, disrupting special teams and scoring straight-up points. But I suggest just too much firepower. And, and this, I mean, but again, you feel good for Avella, but Jeanette's just a better team. They got more firepower. So that is – that's the brackets. That's this week's game breakdown. As really quick, the City League playoffs, four-team field. The City semifinals will be next Saturday, November 7th, and the championship set for Saturday the 14th, all at Couple Stadium. So we will talk about them next week's podcast to break it down. But in case you're wondering, West House is the top seed. They're undefeated. They're taking on Brashear, and then it'll be Alderdice versus University Prep in the other semifinal. For those who will be next Saturday, we'll talk about them next week. That's that. So, of course, so 2020 Whippingo football playoffs kick off this as you have a whole lot of quarterfinal action Friday night. You have both 6A semifinals Friday night as well. And just because there's no Heinz Field doesn't mean we're not going to have a lot of fun. So it'll be great. Hope you guys enjoyed this. And wherever you do this weekend and wherever you're watching, following these games, listening to these games from, be safe and enjoy it. Best of luck to all teams, and we're looking forward to having some really good games. And it's, again, and this playoffs could be one of the most wild tournaments we've seen, you know, in a long, you know, in recent years, in a long time, whatever. As of course, as we will have our weekly updates, recap on all the action and top performers, we'll have all that out by next Tuesday night, the latest. Hopefully earlier, but it'll be out by Tuesday night, the latest next week. Hope you guys enjoyed this, you know, and, and, and tweet at us, send us your picks or comment on our analysis, you know. Again, nothing personal. I'm just having fun here, enjoying Whippeal football. So don't take it personal. Have fun with it. So anyway, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the playoff action. We'll talk next week. Take care, guys.